0: And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane, back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Say hello to a new era of mental health care.
1: Ten ninety one thousand ninety 1,090 episodes, um, let's talk about the ID10T community, which is you, uh, events at ID10T.com if you want to share your thing on the cork board or thing of someone you know or maybe you don't, know, don't even know the person, but you're like, you know, this is a great thing to share, so I'm going to share it. Uh, but this is a thing that the person... Uh, made So this is from Lisa who writes, I want to promote my new podcast. My husband and I are in our 40s and during this COVID time, we've had to move across state lines with our two children and move into my husband's mom's basement. But that didn't bring us down. I decided to use this free time and check something off my bucket list, which is doing my own podcast on our podcast, Lyrical Breakdown, which is a great name. Uh, my husband and I choose a song and break down what we think the song means. It's a, I love it. I, this is a great premise. We, love, uh, we both love all genres of music and are having a blast doing this. I'm committed uh, to doing an episode a week for a year, even if I don't have many listeners, although I would love to have a few more listeners. I really want to show my children that if you want to do something, then don't be afraid and just do it. I also want to show that you are never old, too old to start something new. Hear, here, Lisa. I applaud you. This is a great idea, a great idea for a podcast great name for a podcast and i love that you're doing something constructive and 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 you're making a thing like this is this is the thing that i always say people just do it express your thing make your thing this could take you in directions you could never even have fathomed before and and also as someone who started playing musical instruments in their 40s i appreciate the comment about you're never too old to start something new so i applaud you i appreciate you and thank you thank you thank you for sharing events at id10t.com for anyone else who wants to share their thing with the id10t community cork board this episode is tom lennon the original guest we would call him uh, Tom Lennon is guest prime. He's he's our he was our number one guest on the podcast. He's been on several times. I've known Tom forever. He was one of the producers of At Midnight. We've worked together on a million things. We met when we were both um, snotty kids uh, working at MTV in the nineteen hundreds, and uh, just love him to pieces. Love him, Tom. Tom ha- is someone who has such a high output of stuff content. He's, he writes books. He writes a series of books called Ronan Boyle, which are great young adult books. Um, he uh, is in a band. He uh, writes TV shows, movies. He acts in things. Um, and by the way, new episodes of Reno 911 are on Quibi right now there was a part one before. Now this is a part two. It is available on Quibi. Reno nine one one. People always say to Tom, Tom, why don't you make more Reno nine one one? It is done. They did it. These are short episodes too, so you should watch and enjoy uh, the all new, and I'm very happy to say that all new episodes of Reno nine one one. But Tom is some, certainly someone that I look up to. He he just he just doesn't stop to question. Uh, to second guess whether or not he should do something when he gets an idea. He just does it. He just does it. And then, you know, and and that's what you got to do. So uh, I always recommend listening to Tom. He's got some great stories and great advice on this podcast. So thank you, Tom Lennon. I adore you. Uh, And this is the ID10T episode number 1090 with Tom Lennon. Oh, we're getting old. Am I going to get to see you or just get to hear you? Oh, shoot. I'm sorry. Yes, you are going to get to see me. I don't oh, know fine. why I didn't. Uh...
3: Fine, fine, fine. Here comes the hard witch man.
1: Sorry, I'm new to there this. There he is. Oh, look I'm, at you. <laughs> I know. Well, you got, you have a beard. I haven't, I, my, I wouldn't call mine a beard. I would just call mine laziness.
3: I know, but it's, once you do it for a little while, I'm starting to get feedback like I've never gotten before. Like, but, so soup's positive.
1: Yeah, but the thing with yeah. the beard is that I can't, Maybe one or two times I've ever gotten past what I call like the itch cliff, where you—it's no, like it's that horrible, cliff horrible. where it's, you, it's like r- going up to it, and I can't stop tugging at it, and the, then
3: my face. And the gets bummer irritated. is, and that goes on actually for almost ten days. Like it's not like some like quiet moment of like, hey, this will be better tomorrow. No, it's a long process,
1: <laughs> and yeah. and I and I know that the trick is to just stick with it, and uh, I always get like. I always get probably like a day away from it being okay. I'm like, I can't take it, you know, and then I'm just peeling it off my face. Like I really am not, but it, it does look really good on you, Tom. Thanks, pal. Um, I got the guitar handy if we do that later. Yeah, I got a couple. And I believe we're in tune. I don't know. You know, I've just, I've been taking guitar Love lessons for quite a while now, like a year, year and a half. Cause I've been, I started doing guitar on stage in my act and, uh, and I know you're a good guitar player. And well, so, that's so funny just, because
3: like, I started taking lessons this... Maybe we should talk about this in the show. I think we're already doing the show. Are we already going? Yeah. Oh, crap. I was ready, I'm was i already excited for, like, some big uh, intro.
1: Ladies anyways, and gentlemen, so, you go. have seen him at Columbus <laughs> and Colleges for Marino 911 Viva Variety. And at midnight, please and welcome <laughs> and first podcast guest, Thomas Patrick Lennon. So notable as... Uh, the Priest and Boat Trip. Thank you very much. Um, that's so hard we, we were just that's how we're going to credit you. The Priest, in boat priest trip. and Boat Trip. The so, Doctor and Batman. Batman. Weren't you a Doctor and Batman?
3: I'm, I'm a Doctor in two Nolan films, buddy. I'm in both <laughs> Memento, yeah, and Dark Knight. He
1: sees you as, as a Doctor. Yeah. He thinks you're a Doctor. He sees me
3: as, a, yeah, it's funny, Chris. I, I know Chris pretty well. And he, last year he zinged me. I got, like, I got zinged by Christopher Nolan um because our, our children go to, used to go to school together and I was, I was walking ollie to school and uh taking interestingly i was taking Ollie to school on the train just like thomas wayne does in bat and dark N- in batman begins so i'm coming up out of the subway and I, I i'm walking down the street and i run into nolan and i say hey chris i'm you know not that i'm a hero but just you know just taking a bunch of kids from my neighborhood to school on the train and nolan says without hesitation you know, I've got a lawyer that can get you out of that DUI probably if you want. <laughs> and I was like,
1: I just got full blown zinged by Nolan. It I mean, like that's Elizabeth. if you're going to get zinged by someone, yeah. that's not a bet. And I would imagine it's probably tough because I don't know him at all. I don't know if he's like if he has comedy energy or what. I'm assuming uh-huh. he does not. He he runs a little. He runs a little dry. And but- so. That that I feel like yeah. he might not get the forgiveness curve sometimes. Like he might want to zing more people, and then they're like, "Wait, what?" Wait. It's like, "No, no, no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm it's just being amusing." Now, here's what's
3: weird. I find, you know, it's always a test. Do you do this to people? I test to see if if they laugh. And I'm yet to really find a super successful person who did not respond well. Like, I did the same thing on the on that same movie, like with Christian Bale on uh rises i did like a joke he's like how am i gonna know bruv how am i gonna know when the camera's gonna get uh towards off him towards me you know because he sounds kind of like that and i was and i was there standing next to him and i said how about when the camera's about to pan i go
2: christian
3: and that could be the cue and he laughed really hard i was like all right cool
1: you're very so like, lucky because i yeah. feel like if I had made that joke, I feel like I don't have I feel like everyone would have been like, uh, okay. I, I don't know. That, that those are tough ones to pull off if you're not unless you know everyone already.
3: Well, but I feel that's my way of testing people out to see like, are we gonna be friends? Because I did the same thing with Clint Eastwood on that weird Clint Eastwood movie that was so strange. Uh fifteen seventeen to Paris. Okay. Uh Clint Eastwood comes in and he's getting up there, you know, he's still got weights and barbells outside his trailer. Sure. Yeah, just for getting Jack. And the barbells, just so you know, are kind of from like the 80s. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, they're like the kind of barbells where you can slide. They're like square weights, and you can slide them to be different amounts of weight.
1: Oh, I see. Right, 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 right.
3: So yeah, Clint, outside his tour bus, which is kind of an old tour bus for his trailer, he's got barbells that if you found them on eBay, would be best offer and shipping <laughs> <laughs> so i'm sitting there with clint eastwood and i'm like sitting in the scene you know it's like uh it's jenna fisher's in it and uh, uh judy greer two funny folks there's a lot of funny people in that movie which is That's weird.
1: fantastic yeah i don't know
3: crazy. and i'm like maybe because judy and uh jenna were there but i was like oh fuck it i'm just gonna try something with clint let's just see how this goes so i'm sitting behind the desk playing the principal and I said, Clint Eastwood. Never, I haven't really said anything to him yet. He said, "Like, hey, hello, hey, ah, yeah, that's that guy. Yeah, from the audition, yeah, or something." He's always says. And I said, um, "Hey, Clint, um, I don't want to overthink this, but is there any chance that my character would have a large digital raven on his shoulder, perched on his shoulder, for this whole scene?" And Clint Eastwood just went, ha, ha, "I like it. Oh, yeah, I like it. Yeah." And I was like, "Oh, cool." I was like, "Even Dirty Harry." I mean, you just got to test and see, like, how weird are people?
1: Yeah, I know, know? but I I think, I think maybe you have a you have a very natural comedy energy, and I feel like if I did that, it would read more like I was trying to get attention than you know what I mean. I am
3: trying to get attention too, and I am just scared. You know what it is? Is it's my way of I'm scared. All comedy is this, don't you think? I am. I come into a situation. I am frightened. Of everything, as I think most people are all the time. I certainly am all the time. I've got a meeting with Arnold Schwarzenegger on zoom later today. And I'm going to make a joke. No, of course. No, you know know how I roll. But I'm going to make a joke to get over how scared I am all the time. And that's what we're doing everywhere we go, isn't it? That's what I'm doing.
1: Yeah. uh, You should say, I loved you and Judge Dredd. Just see how that flies. (laughs) Just see how it flies. You know, actually, he was on the podcast a handful of years ago and he was delightful. He was a fascinating cat, man. Yeah. Just imagine. Can you imagine being
3: that guy? Yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, a lot of ups and downs and stuff, but like, can you imagine like doing everything you ever set out to
1: do pretty much? It's crazy. Well, and but that is that that is an interesting kind too, of a philosophical um I've been to your house, you did that. <laughs> well, no, I mean it's an interesting philosophical <laughs> yeah. conundrum because yeah. you, you because it, it for the people who can deal with it, it really right. shows like, you know, what was the ratio of them chasing something because they thought it was gonna fix them versus people right. doing things because they enjoy doing them. And the people who really tend to enjoy the process tend to fare better. And the True. people who feel like, you know, e- each one of those goals were going to somehow make them whole, and right. then realize, well, that's not really how things work. Well, that's not really they how they can it be worked. very bitter and upset. Yeah. Schwarzenegger was fucking great on the podcast and super open to talk about whatever. Such a oh, was, you know what? I, it was you who told
3: me because you had talked to him, and I was going to Salzburg. And you were like, "Hey, I have Arnold's recommendations of the best Salzburg restaurants, which was the Goldner Hirsch that restaurant in Salzburg at the Goldner Hirsch Hotel." Oh,
1: that's right, I did the recommendation. Remember, and I, remember thinking, from remember, you. And I okay.
3: remember thinking, "Man, my life is co-. like I never think." Here's what I never think: my life is cool based off of major events, right? You know, like when the book came out and did well, wrote a book, made the New York Times bestseller list. I felt legitimately nothing I had no feelings. But then when I was eating at a restaurant in Salzburg and I was like, this was a recommendation from Chris Hardwick, Hardwick directly from Schwarzenegger. I was like, Hey man, this is life is cool. This is weird. Life is like, weird. So yeah. like a good restaurant recommendation meant, meant a little bit more to me than,
1: yeah. Well, also just the fact that you sort of casually tossed off. Oh yeah. It was in a dark Knight rises and memento. I mean, you know, like, it, yeah. like those are, those are cultural touchstones. And, and those are other people things. Let's not let's not forget that Lieutenant Dangle is a also a cultural touchstone for people. Like you've not just been in other people's touchstones, you are you are an imbi- you are a touchstone. You have created a touchstone for people and the state this, too. This you is know? a weird
3: one because I went on. I'd never I'd never really been on Redbubble. There's a website called Redbubble. Yeah, yeah. They,
1: they, it's all the all the t-shirts. All the, all exactly,
3: the t-shirts. and I somebody had said there's like a great like new boot goof and t-shirt on Redbubble, of Lieutenant dangle. So I went and looked and I was like, no, no, there's like 20. Oh yeah. There's like, so I ordered a couple. I'm not sure if I can wear them. It feels a little weird, but one's a cartoon of me. It's not really me. It's like a cartoon of me that says, you know, like genuine pay, ostrich, three payments. And I was like, I guess, I think I could wear that. Right. Or is it, is that a weird thing? It I don't depends know on
1: what you wear it to. Yeah. It's, con- it's all context. You know, somewhere in a box, yeah. I have all my crew jackets from Singled Out, which I've never oh my worn. God. And I'm starting Dude, to think it's got funny. Or it'd be weird.
3: You gotta, it could be weird. It's the right, at, the right event, at the right event, it's hilarious. I have, I've never worn it. We're, we've been living in, we have a place in Wisconsin. That's where we're living for a while. We actually have a place right down the road from where Dungeons and Dragons was invented, Mr. Nerd. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Lake City, Wisconsin. Gags yep um but i brought i have a bunch of show jackets too like damon wayans got us all made for season one of lethal weapon these giant high school leather jackets that are made out of like nine kinds of leather with huge patches and it's like heavy it's like armor yeah and it has it also my favorite thing about it it says like lethal weapon season one uh and then on on the front it has my name it says thomas (laughs) And I was like, where in the world can I go wearing a lethal weapon fancy crew jacket that has my own name on the front? I'm like, that's a that's a baller
1: move. It really says like Larchmont going into a (laughs) pizzeria. You know what I mean? Hey, it's me. Thomas, Thomas. <laughs> you remember Thomas <laughs> Leo gets Thomas. from I don't know you so you're a Thomas <laughs> the TV version of Leo Getz I feel yeah. like it'd be fun to wear like I would totally love to wear like a major dad crew jacket
3: like I want to find well what's the weirdest one you got because in our house you know that Jenny was in bull Durham right? Oh, did my I wife. know that? I'm not you sure know I that. knew that. Jenny's Millie in Bull Durham. Oh Jenny, my God, my that's pretty is, So yeah. she has like Bull Durham swag? Oh my God, she's got all the Bull Durham baseball cards, which is pretty cool, of all the characters. One of which is Danny Gams, the magician. Oh Do you remember that one of the young baseball players in Bull Durham is Danny Gams, the
1: late That Danny I did not Gans. remember, because I didn't so know who Danny Gans was when I saw that movie.
3: But I think in in the house, you've got some pretty neat stuff in the house. In the house, I think one of the neatest things we have is she has two like original Bull Durham jackets That's from, great. from that movie. Yeah. That are pretty neat.
1: That's pretty great. I mean, right. and also she has a connection to it for me. It would just be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a dopey fan of this thing or I don't know,
3: man. If you ever don't want to wear that single dot jacket, I will take it off of your hands.
1: <laughs> I, it's I've funny got... because each season was a different, uh, a different tour of nineties fashion. So number one, uh, they're all, uh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, can I guess, can I guess first season? Is it,
3: is it uh, like a sort of slightly whitewashed denim with a patch
1: on it the might, outside? Yeah, it might be. Yeah. It, it might be... Or is
3: it actual like parachute material, like that kind of stuff?
1: There is one that is. And there was one that was like bright white. And I think I'm going to be season two or three. That, so if, that would be it was, like... like what, a gas station one because it was the 90s sure sure there's one that's like oh yeah like was there i bet there was a bowling
3: shirt everybody was always like let's do a bowling shirt
1: yeah there might have been yeah there might have been a
3: a couple things we did on the state i was really proud we always did state gifts one year on the state and i still have it oh i should i should announce this by the way the state did this giant benefit this year uh, and we gave some money to like black lives matter and some cool uh venues and stuff and i auctioned off the porcupine suit from porcupine (laughs) racetrack But wait, wait, wait. I just wanted to announce this. The, the mofo who bought it for $6,000 never paid for it. So I have it back. So at some point I'm going to auction off again for some awesome charity, the, the actual porcupine outfit. That is but fantastic. My favorite, one of my favorite things we did, state very early on, we always gave weird gifts for state. Like one year we gave everybody a second place trophy, baseball trophy. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> I think first year on the state, we gave everybody an, an autographed. We we went and got like 300 copies of Dianetics yes. at the Scientology Celebrity Center in Times Square, and they gave us a discount because we were a TV show. I was like, "Hey, we're a TV show. Will you give us some author?" Like, absolutely, we will. <laughs> they were so nice. So we autographed and gave out, you know, to like all the Teamsters in New York, just like 300 <laughs> autographed copies of Dianetics. And I remember thinking, "We're so funny. We're just the best." And I know all these people were like, "Wow." This is one of those times where like a hoodie would have been nice. You assholes instead of
1: oh, hey, thanks. a
3: gag gift. That's only funny to you. You drug addled 22 year old.
1: You know what I would, I would, what I would have wanted from the state is uh, I'm sure I'm sure no one has anymore, but it was the, the snuggle fabric softener, oh, the bear, there, which it starts talking and then Carrie just like flips out and just Beats starts
2: beating it out of it
1: with an iron.
3: The uh, cuddly soft. Yes. That was a great one. I think we actually got somebody accidentally. Sometimes people accidentally do your sketches again. It's happened. And that one, somebody, I think that got borrowed sort of beginning to end by I want to say maybe Mad TV or somebody. <laughs> but Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. Most state stuff was so weird that you couldn't redo it anyway, but that was sort of an obvious one, you know?
1: I mean, it, it was, it yeah. was, it was a it was a groundbreaking sketch show. You know, when I think about I mean, I, I I put the state in the sort of pantheon of really amazing, groundbreaking sketch shows like you know, Python in Living Color, uh, Kids in the Hall, The State. You know what I mean? It it just is just yeah. one of those ones. You guys, you came along at the right time. It was a it was the '90s were a new era. It was it felt new and fresh, and like I just I connected with it so well when it was it was like a you know. It's like a punk rock we were,
3: sketch show. we were very punk rock and we were super super I mean Ben was so punk rock that he was like on speed and weighed 85 pounds and had green hair but we would you know the state had like regularly we would get in fights where you know Marino put his fist through a wall one time a lot of a lot of crazies we were very passionate and very angry speaking of when we did you can you I think you can go see we did a, a state like a live zoom show as a benefit and i think you can see it and actually dave foley from kids in the hall who's become a good friend of mine uh later in life it's so funny everybody was always like you guys are ripping off kids in the hall and i'd never seen kids in the hall when we were doing the state and then i did see kids in the hall and i'm like these guys are amazing i love them <laughs> but i don't i didn't feel like we were ripping them off in any way uh
1: well, also, <clears throat> i mean the kids uh, in the hall was very it was very dr- it felt very Canadian to me. I mean maybe because I knew... 100%. It was I mean oh my god, the it fur like trappers SCTD. who are like canoeing through the office building. <laughs> yes! In the fur trappers <laughs> <the fur truck laughs> <laughs> <office. laughs>
3: Amazing. <laughs> what, <laughs> what did you get <laughs> today? <from> today? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay I love that one. So uh, you know, by the way things have happened for less reason but after that show we did we're fully... the joke was here's a bunch of white dudes from the state because we're a bunch of useless old white people. And we're like, we're going to see all your favorite characters from the state. Louie, the guy who dips his balls in it, Barry and Lavon, and uh, angry, sarcastic guy. And then Dave Foley came in and was like, I'm angry, sarcastic uh. guy. <laughs> we're like, oh, no, no, wrong group. And then, I, but so it was so hilarious. Dave's so lovely. All of those guys are so lovely. And I, I sent a, I just tweeted to Dave, I was like, thanks for doing our show. Maybe when COVID's over, what if we did, uh, you know, monsters of 90s sketch? kids in the hall state tour to which he was like absolutely let's do that and i was like
1: fuck it maybe what if we just really did that why wouldn't i mean even if you did a few shows you wouldn't you don't have to do 100 shows you could just do like five and see how it i mean that is epic that's epic yes i i i I have i
3: can't get it out of my head now that it would be you know like to me it's like it's like the very weird, very soft version of like Peter Gabriel and Sting touring together. You know, it's yeah, like. it every makes everybody better.
1: Yeah. You know, if you just if you talk to if you talk to Janet and the Sketchfest folks, you could start. You could you could oh, kick that off right, at yeah. SF Sketchfest. Like that's that is an act-
3: that's that is an awesome idea. The perfect place to do right. it. When does Sketchfest come back? In your estimation, probably a year from
1: January, right? I don't know. Actually, Maybe I mean, I, I, it's impossible to know. Any, I mean, right? I just know they'd have gotta to be to start planning it soon if it was going to be. Got to be January twenty twenty two. right know yeah
3: gotta be oh, no god i love sketch i miss that's the kind of thing i really truly miss the most it's like the weirdness of what <clears throat> one, one is called like the cramped quarters what's it called the club quarters yeah
1: oh club quarters yeah 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 Club but quarters. i, I miss I, I do miss the live i miss performing live i don't miss traveling all the time right uh but i miss being on stage and right. <clears throat> and i miss sketchfest i mean sketchfest was just always an amazing time it, to just see a bunch of your favorite people all together so like, doing fun weird stuff on stage. <clears throat> the crowds were were encouraging of experimental stuff. Oh my like,
3: god, yes. Some it, of the San most Francisco, special. also just San Francisco is San Francisco, man. It's so wonderful to be there. And then Yes, just the camaraderie of, like, it turns San Francisco for a couple weekends into, like, it's a college town where every college student is my favorite comedian. (laughs) And we're all going to, like, walk around the quad and get Chinese food and do cool stuff.
1: But this is interesting, because this kind of goes back to what what we were talking about a a little bit ago, which is um, we've both gotten to do some really rad stuff. Oh, yeah. You, you in particular, have, you know, because, I mean... I I like to work, although I'm I, I'm I've become very comfortable like not working eight days a week. Uh, totally. Just uh, I've gone, like I've not gone not exactly Running the around point. all over the place, like I've been really kind of enjoying. Like I like being at home, and we got a dog, and I can spend time with my wife, and you know, like I would love play, to be play, able play to play the piano, yeah. play some guitar, yeah, right. Um, do podcasts every once in a while, but um, your work output is insane because you're always writing like five things and you're acting in things and you're writing books and you're in a fucking band like a, a smith's but tribute again band.
3: again that all i guess a little plug for the um, the world's best uh smiths and Morrissey cover band the sweet and tender hooligans <clears throat> but again chris that comes from a place of like you know like the the first you like you do stuff because it's like i want to do this i want to do this but I, then i will also say like sometimes the reason I'm writing five things is because I'm positive four of them will be thrown away and not even read by anybody, you know?
1: And that's and that the right attitude so to have right away. Cause you just, yeah. you know, you know, yeah. that you know, ideas in this town are like all of those uh, baby tortoises that are trying to make oh. it to the sea. Right. And you know that Somebody's going to bite grow. their heads off. Is that yeah. what you mean? <laughs> yeah. It's like, they're, they're gonna, someone's going to pick like, them up signal, or someone's going to step yeah. on one or they make it into the ocean and then, you know, yeah. bear eats, you know. like yeah. it, it it's very only the only a couple will make it through which is why make there a, are so many
3: make a shitload of turtles
1: make a shitload of turtles make a
3: shitload of turtles and by the way some of them will be turd with the yeah. underlined turd yeah. but you know that's part of the process
2: that's no, but right now
3: <laughs> right now i think i've gone the other way in the covid lockdown which is i now write so frantically I feel basically like I'm in the the, ham, the part of Hamilton where he's like, "Why do you write like you're running out of time?" Maybe it's because I turned fifty two weeks ago.
1: Yeah, happy birthday! Um, oh, thanks,
3: bud. But uh, as a fifty year old like writer and comedy writer and screenwriter, that's basically like being a hundred and fifty. <laughs> it's like <laughs> like to the studios. Remember when they all everybody looks at Woody Allen and Annie Hall, and he's got like payas and a giant uh, Hasidic uh, hat, and they he looks like the most Jewish. Uh, stereotype you could possibly picture. You think
2: you look think like the oldest as a
3: writer. If you if you looked at me through the lens of the movie studios, I would look basically like one of the Golden Girls for how old, incredibly.
1: <laughs> you know the Golden Girls were very funny, so it was you know super funny.
3: And actually, they weren't as old as they looked. Any of no, them.
1: especially I think Estelle Getty might have been the youngest one, The
3: youngest by far, by far. Apparently, and they she just like made her just, look older. Have you been to the site the uh, the Br- the Brimley Cocoon line?
1: Oh, is that the one where it's, you yep. where you realize you he and Tom Cruise are the same? Like, who's Tom Cruise is older now than Wilford Brimley was when he did Cocoon? Yeah,
3: there's a day, and I think you have to be 48 and a half years old, but when you're 48 and a half, you hit the Brimley Cocoon line, which means you're the age that Wilford Brimley was in the movie Cocoon. <laughs> Wait a minute, I'm 48 and a half. You, oh, Hardwick, check, check Brimley Cocoon line because you're very close. God damn it, I don't want to be yeah. on that. I, no, 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 I, you're going to hit it. Like oh, so Chris, shit. look at you right now. You're like young and jacked and you got guitars and you're cool. You're the exact same age that Wilfred Brimley was when he started in Cocoon.
1: But that's yeah, but maybe but maybe like maybe yeah. you know Sort of like how when well, you look at yourself in the mirror and you go, okay, I guess I guess, this looks about right, and then you look at yourself in a photo and you're like, what happened? What happened from no. mirror to photo? Like, maybe uh, maybe I look like maybe I look like cocoon Wilfred Brimley, and I'm just not aware. are <laughs> not aware.
3: Maybe none of us know. Uh, <laughs> no, but anyway. So you were saying, and this is interesting. Yeah, but so you know, I've been writing like Hamilton on a little bit, a tiny bit of Angel Dust during this whole uh, COVID, just to it's it's you know. It's crazy time to wonder like when are there movies again? When is there you know, we are working on a season eight of Reno nine one one. For Quibi? Yeah, again for Quibi. Uh every time I say we're working on a show for Quibi, I get to do like the handle the next three minutes of people being like, What's Quibi? Is it Qbert? Oh wait, are you doing this show for is QBert? <laughs> and I'm like, people give me so much grief. And I'm like, okay, first of all, Quibby's mostly fucking, all people do is beg me for more Reno 911s. Then we did them for Quibi. And then they're like, well, I'm not going to do it for Quibi because it's a dumb name. And I'm like, so you're not going to watch a show you like on a
1: service that, by most the way, of the time it sounds like you're talking about something that someone tweeted. That to me does eh, not sound I like know, something but- someone would say to you in person.
3: Oh, no, 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 no. People do say, no, I don't, I don't meet anyone in person, but, <laughs> but on the internet, people are like, I and mean, then I've started responding because everybody's just like, what's a quibby? Is a quibby when you have a fart that fills your your swimsuit
1: and then you, the air comes and I'm like, shut up. It's a, fu- it's a fucking de- really decent service. That's a, here's, here's a little bit of a yeah. throwback. Uh, here's yeah. a little bit of a throwback uh, to, I think it was not necessarily the news. That's a great sniglet. Sniglet, Do, yeah. uh <laughs> Gribby. Gribby is Gribby. When, when, you,
3: when when you fill when your
1: pants with ba 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 blah, blah. That's yeah. like a little
3: ritual. Mary had a Sniglet. One was a Sniglet. It was I remember? I went to Friday. Weren't Sniglets on Fridays? Those the sketch show.
1: I thought they were on, not
3: necessarily news,
1: but oh, maybe they oh, okay. were on. Maybe all they- I know
3: is, as a little kid, somehow we got we came to California. We drove from Chicago, station wagon, no air conditioning, <clears throat> went to California. My dad knew somebody at ABC News Chicago and they got us tickets to a live taping of Fridays okay I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a music bed for this going to California yep
1: we going to make a go to California with a naked. You can tell the story I'm nice. going
3: to Okay. So in the station wagon, Dad's got his arm out the window. Dad gets a bad sunburn in Arizona, real bad like third degree blister. It's
0: it's
3: California.
0: We the kind Go
3: to a taping of Fridays. The musical guest is Tommy Tutone. We leave the studio and my sister meets soap opera star Anthony Tony Geary. And he signs an autograph that says, Megan, stay sweet, Tony Geary. And I remember thinking, I'm going to be in sketch comedy and meet people like Tommy Two-Tone when I'm a a grown up.
2: The end. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500.
1: Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing
0: results in just two to three weeks.
1: You know, uh it, the the momentum train, because it really I think when you're young you think this the, the business is about a job. The job. Oh no no, it's gonna no, change no. your life. No. And, but now I realize what you really work for is momentum. Yep. The momentum, you know, and so what but what you you are planting so many seeds for things that you would just have this constant train of momentum Planting no, seeds in a garden. We're planting seeds like in I've a just, garden. In a garden just, we never get to see. We're planting seeds like energy garden. we never anymore. get to see.
3: Um no, you're very right. I uh one of my uh the best piece of advice, one of our very good uh screenwriting agent at UTA, Greg McKnight, people whenever somebody would give me a script, even if it was amazing, um and they would say, hey, would you please give this to your agent? It's an amazing script. And even if I read it and it was amazing, he had a really interesting response, which is he said, uh, no, I won't read that. And and he said, here's the thing. I don't represent scripts. I represent writers. Mm-hmm. So if you had 10 scripts to look at and had, you know, stuff like that, he'd be interested. But like the notion of like one great script will get you in the door somewhere. Be a, sure, that's happened sometimes but that's mostly not what happens mostly the same people that generate tons of different work it's interesting like when you need something done always go to the busiest people you know first because the busiest people like if I need something right away I go to Weird Al I'm like hey will you do this by tomorrow and then it'll be perfect and I'll have it by tonight because it's just like there's the people you know that like get everything done right away because you know I said this at Al's uh, star speech on the Hollywood Boulevard. Like the way you do something is the way you do everything, and the
1: people people
3: creating a ton of stuff are just always creating a ton of stuff.
1: Well, but also, you can't have a too overactive of a perfectionism gene and i don't mean like you're well, not worried about the quality of your stuff i just mean that obsessive thing of like that's tough yes of of of, of getting that inner critic out of the way and getting that judgment and and allowing yourself to like look whatever is this, this is going to be i'm done? just going to get it out in the world and i'm not going to judge it first
3: and that's a an very interesting detail about uh tying back to the beginning of the conversation which is there happened to be two directors one is Christopher Nolan and one is Glenn Eastwood who basically give you one take and then maybe a safety, but often not Mm -hmm. (laughs) like usually unless there's something like the camera catches fire while you're filming. They're like, like Nolan especially is just like very good. All right, moving on. And that's the thing is knowing that you're done or that at least you're done for now, which is a huge step. In the process, because you can endlessly pick up the stuff you're working on and go back and just start tw- fiddling and fiddling well, and fiddling,
1: and I it, do it a lot too. Yeah, yeah, and the danger with it is you forget sometimes. Like if you go back and look at stuff and go, "I should have added this," or "Oh, I just thought of a new joke." It's like, yeah, but it was doesn't matter. Yeah, you that evolved. Was, like you, yeah. you're you're looking you're looking retrospectively, right? with with newer, fresher eyes. And so, yeah, you might have a different perspective, but at a certain point you really have to be comfortable with like, but that's what I did at the time and that was right at at the time. time." You know what, it was
3: interesting because like I endlessly joke that Ben and I, that our worst film that we've ever written is Herbie Fully Loaded. And it's funny because it's like, it's one of those ones that's just like low hanging fruit. It's an easy joke to make. It just sounds funny, like the name just sounds... It just sounds stupid. But actually, they were like before the world shut down, they were showing it on a Saturday afternoon at the new Beverly. (laughs) And so I took Ollie to my son to go see it. And I was like, well, fuck. Like, there's some cheesy stuff a little bit, but it's also like there's a lot of it that's really kind of great. And it's like, yeah, there is a thing about getting a little bit older and embracing, like, yeah, like I definitely, oh my God, I've got some cringy state sketches for sure that like I just can't stand. Um, Not a ton. Not a ton, but I've definitely got a couple. Like, I I I dread the day the sun watches me singing like the boner song, which is. <laughs> but at the time, I was like, "This is so funny! It's like a super Guys, romantic I'm song it over about here. getting boners." I know. <laughs> I'm trying to think what when I was wrongest. I wrote a sketch one time for Viva Variety that was about. <laughs> We used to always have Viva Variety always had fake commercials like fishy bar the bar that tastes like fish yep. and like all these weird <laughs> things and one was we had a baby taste like soup was a uh, it was just these fun weird sponsors and I remember we had a board game that was called where's the Lindbergh baby and it was about uh, the board game was it was like a clue where you had to find where the Lindbergh baby had been kidnapped to and I remember I was really mad that Comedy Central would not let us do it. They're like, you can't make jokes about the Lindbergh baby. I'm like, it's 1997. And then later I realized, no, you know what? They were right on that one. Yeah.
1: yeah but, but you know, yeah, you yeah. were probably like 22 years old or something. I was yeah. it was 20 on Viva. I was probably 20. Oh, on Viva, 26. on Viva, on yeah. Viva. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, yeah. but you know, it, it's, it's good to be able to look back at stuff and, and have yeah. sort of a marker of, Oh, I've got to, I've yeah. grown since then. Uh, yeah, that was okay for them. You got to do the turds. But so if you can focus do the too much on it, yeah. you just you just need to be looking forward and looking ahead. And and I just right. love that you never stop for too long to overthink things, which I don't. You know, I think when I was younger, I used to think, oh, you know, if I, you know, overthinking. Well, that's something that smart people do, and now I I feel like well, I don't know, I know if that's necessarily true. I just think it's a thing that obsessive people do. And, well, it is a And thing. I tend and to obsess sometimes and I obsess. Uh, maybe I should I just not do obsess. that and just make stuff. Sometimes
3: you just have to like, but that's the other thing. And, and this is something that I say to myself a lot, which is a dumb thing, but it's an improv thing. And it's certainly UCB. And I know Janet and everybody would say it, which is your first thought is the best thought, you know, and this is a huge thing to get to, but I, I get down to the point, not only when I'm like writing a scene or a piece of dialogue or something, do I realize first thought? your first thought was the best thought? But I, I've now taken it to, because I'm also hella superstitious. Just like, what pants am I putting on? I'm like, don't think past the first decision. Just, you made the decision, you're done. Now move on. Um, but it was funny. So, yeah, just trying everything. You got to try everything. My famously, my worst sketch I ever wrote for the state. Well, I wrote two. One was called The Dream Ithmuth. It was like a fantasy island where you could get very, very reasonably priced dreams. Could come, but it, true. Was, an
1: <laughs> myth. If,
3: it was an if If it was on an myth of dreams, oh my god! And I remember pitching that sketch and Ken Marino looking at me like he was going to punch me in the face. He hated the sketch so much that he was actively mad at me. And he was right, by the way. Um, and then another, I pitched, I, I wrote a, a sketch, a Baywatch spoof sketch, and I remember just like that feeling of pitching something. By the way, you want to get great at writing, get a group of your friends together and pitch each other stuff a couple times a week. It'll tough make you so tough. It'll also get you ready for the movie business, the TV business, 99% of which is about, are you good at pitching people who don't want to hear your idea? And, don't and also really who
1: aren't yeah. who don't see it the way you see it. 100%. And
3: yeah.
1: aren't invested in it that way yeah. and hear 100 pitches a day. Right. And- exactly.
3: Yeah. So so the other worst, my famously worst state sketch, there's a couple of pretty bad ones, but I had pitched a, a like a Baywatch spoof that was just awful and about as cringy. If you read it now, actually Jim Sharp, the producer of the state, gave it gave me the Baywatch spoof script back. And he had written on the top, because he used to be a like a high school teacher, he had written on the top, I think you can do better.
1: <laughs> See me after class. Yeah, and I was like <laughs>
3: It was really humiliated and it felt really shitty. And then uh, 25 years later, Ben and I actually wrote the Baywatch movie.
1: (laughs) So I was like, Did you use any of the jokes from it?
3: Uh, Not really. No. But it was like, that's the thing. Like you gotta, you gotta make some turds. If some of your turtles are going to get to the ocean.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But how do you, because I, I really do believe it is about making yourself right. It's, it's it's easy to it's easy to write when you're inspired and you have got shit to say, but I feel like the line inspired, of don't demarcation is when right. you go. I have n- I don't know what I want to say. I don't feel like writing. I would rather be playing video games. I'm staring at a blank all screen. The time. Yes, How do I all the push through?
3: well One thing that I uh, I do I do a couple things. One, do something dramatically different at least for a little while. <clears throat> I notice you have the guitars. I have a similar thing with the music. Go do some music or something. Or what I do often is I will write something else as an experiment. Um, so this is a little thing that was taught to me by like, uh, I had a mentor. I don't know if I've ever talked to you about this, but uh, so Lucas Hedges, the super famous actor in every movie right now, mm-hmm. his dad, Peter Hedges, who's a famous playwright and novelist. When I was at theater camp with Carrie Kenny and John Hamburg and Mather Zickold and a bunch of folks in like 1987, Lucas Hedges father was a counselor at my camp. And he was only like five, six years older than me, but he became very actively, like became my mentor about writing. And he'd be like, let's go down to the, let's go down to the Lake Michigan and write a one act play. And I was like, well, that's going to be terrible. And he's like, one, you don't know that two, 90 minutes from now, you are the author of a one act play. Yeah, it'll probably be terrible, but some of John Guerra's plays are terrible. Some of my plays are terrible. Fuck it. In an hour and a half, <clears throat> you will have a one-act play that you wrote. And then he'd be like, <clears throat> to mix it up, he'd be like, let's all sit and like do like, he'd almost do like a scene study, like a, like a still life class where he'd <clears throat> put something in front of you. And he'd be like, write about all the, th- describe this in all the ways by what it isn't. Or, you know, he was just, I had a real sort of dead poet's uh, relationship with him. But he also taught me that writing every day is a really cool thing to do. And if you get stuck, mix it up. When was the last time you tried to write a poem? You know, like, write a poem. There's a part of your brain that used to read poems at school all the time. And it works, but you need to nudge it sometimes. So that's what I do is when when I have uh, light cycled myself into a little Tron corner, I,
1: I am my, like, my I mean, it has blown up. You're talking about, uh, yeah. you, you know, which happens a like, lot. G, the Gen yeah. X reference bank right there Thank is so you. squarely in my yep. I know. house. I, I I really were,
3: we're, I'm a tiny bit older than you, but not, yeah. But so it's like, do really do try something else. Cause right now, like this year I wrote, I wrote a bunch of things just speculatively. Like I wrote a horror TV show that I got zero feedback on. I don't think anyone read it. And if they did, they did not like it at all. And you
1: got to be okay with that too. You got to be yeah, okay knowing so. like, yes, I spent time on this and it might never see the light of day, but the process of it was worth doing because it, I grew in that, even, you know, even if it was incrementally or I took a giant leap forward, there was growth that happened while I was doing that thing. Even if it was about discipline or even if it was about just getting something 100%. done that's going to propel me to the next idea.
3: You got better no matter what happened, you got better at doing whatever this thing is that you do, whether that's writing stand up, whether that's making movies, even acting. I mean, see your, well, there's nothing better than seeing yourself in stuff that's, it's always fun to see yourself in a cool movie. Sure. That's happened to me maybe once or twice, <laughs> but luckily I've had the experience of getting to see myself in not amazing movies <laughs> like 60 times. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> you know what? You learn a lot from that too. You're like, oh no, never put, never make a face like that and never
1: like, well, yeah. yeah, it's just it's just about not like when you when you sit down and you go and you think about your idea or whatever it is and go I don't know what the ending is or God it's just ah, now it seems dumb it's like well now you're now you're judging it before you even put, just like just start spitting it out and see where it's spit it, it out what it wants the other thing is like you're gonna figure that stuff later I always
3: wonder when people like get really excited about like the dialogue of something is really neat it's like the dialogue of your movie. Will be changed by the movie star on the day 25 times. No one gives two fucks if you wrote a clever ellipsis, like at all.
1: But that's like, getting all the ego stuff out of the way, Tom. That, I know. No
3: matter what it is, like it's so funny, like you'll be on a movie with that you wrote, and the movie star will be like, yeah, Is there, I don't know, should we, let's try some, Let's. we can do better on this, don't you think? And like your gut is always like, no, we can't fucking do better. That was amazing. I wrote that. <laughs> I wrote that. It was amazing.
1: And then yeah, you're you, always like, you no, nah, it's better. Be okay.
3: Like you have yeah, to just, you be
1: okay. Your ego has to be okay with that. But, yeah. but again, do do you sometimes feel like it sounds, it sounds like you, you feel like you're maybe on a machine that you can't ever hit the pause button on.
3: Well, I I think that's just who I am, I guess, you know, at a certain point I kind of realized like, you know, and it maybe it was a ride right around the state. And it, it was a, a very relentless attitude we had in the state for sure, which was we shot everything ourselves. We edited everything ourselves. We didn't ask anyone's opinions. We certainly never asked permission. And we were just like, fuck it. We're always moving forward. Always be like devouring everything. And then I think, yeah, no, and then I think, you know, a couple spells where you really aren't doing anything because i mean like when i lived in new york i was never in a movie for 11 years (laughs) and all i was trying to do was be a movie actor you know and it was like 11 years went by and i was finally had like two lines in a john bon jovi movie totally true um (laughs) wow and and speaking of john bon jovi here's the thing about great people did a movie with john bon jovi had one day of work with him uh and we shot on the bowery in this like strange like homeless shelter Ran into him. I was super drunk five years later in the lobby of the hotel in Cologne, Germany, where I was filming the movie Boat Trip. (laughs) Oh, it always comes back to Boat Trip. Ready? John Bon Jovi walks into the lobby, sees me like 30 feet away and goes, Tom. And I was like, that guy is awesome. And it just shows you some people's brains function at a different level, like John Bon Jovi, believe
1: it or not. That's pretty amazing. It was really cool. That is pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, it. Uh, it's no surprise that the people who like really have that sort of like lasting success are oh, of course, taking yeah. a lot of swings and a lot not of afraid plans. to try stuff over and over and over and over and over and over yep. again because the things that don't work typically just fall away. People don't, you know, like, it's sort of like at some point in your life, it just sort of becomes a highlight reel, you know? They're not going to remember you know a bunch of things that either didn't get sold or didn't do well no. or you know like it's like no but you 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 know you take the swings and one time
3: <clears throat> ben ben grant and i were standing backstage at something with tom cruise which was pretty neat he's uh you've hung around with him a little bit yeah
1: yeah he's been on the he was on the
3: podcast so yeah. I, i've some panels with him he's always been he might be the most he's one of the most engaging guys in the lovely, world. lovely nice guy oh, so nice but we were standing backstage he's so cool when you're hanging out with him that he can get you to like do dumb stuff that you would only do if there was like a really beautiful girl you wanted to impress or something like it's like you end up doing just some dumb shit around him because you can't help because he's like you're hanging out with Maverick and it's you know yeah but so like we're standing backstage at this like awards we're all giving awards to somebody or just some nice thing <clears throat> and uh, we're standing there with Tom Cruise his uh his like security detail came in ahead of him walking down the hall and Ben and I had done a bit We used to always do, you probably saw it. We did it at Comic-Con and stuff. We always end our big like Eisner Award presentation with a balloon drop. That's like three balloons because we just can't (laughs) afford a good balloon drop. So anyway, one of our balloons was on the ground and we're backstage in tuxedos. And Tom Cruise's guy comes, is coming down the hall. This guy the size of a tank and he spots the balloon on the ground and he dove on it and snatched it up as if it were an improvised explosive
1: device. Did you think it was like a such efficiency? Batman, the TV series,
3: Joker style. (laughs) It could have been, oh, like the Joker's got, he's filled them all with some crazy laughing gas. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know, but I know Tom Cruise's guy was ready for that in case that was a scenario. (laughs) Cause he got that balloon up and out of there with the efficiency like I'd never seen.
1: Maybe Tom Cruise does not like clowns and the guy. Maybe he doesn't. Oh, and this
3: guy knew that. He was like, get this clown shit out of here. Anyway, we're standing backstage. And this great like Australian singer was playing music on stage. And Tom Cruise turns to me and Ben and he went, Live music, right? And I was like, if I was in a bar and some guy turned to me in a like a Jimmy Buffett parrot head shirt and was like, Live music, right? I would have been like, Okay, man. But Tom Cruise turned to me and went, Live music, right? And I was like, You are
1: so right, man. (laughs) Live music, man. And that's exactly what any reasonable person would have said. It, it is elevated. Yeah. It was elevated by the fact that it was Tom Cruise. Right, he was saying it. Didn't,
3: didn't he steal your part in Rock of Ages?
1: Yes, he stole my part yes. in
3: Rock of Ages. By so. the way, do you know that I got cut out of that film? Speaking of, I was
1: in it briefly. I've only been cut out of a couple movies, but I was cut, cut out of Rock of you, Ages. I, I, you know, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe I'll cut this part out because I'm sure people in the podcast have heard it before because I've I've, oh. I've, I've I've blabbed about it a million times. But. He knew that I was in Rock of Ages because we were. Moder- I moderated a panel with him one year at Comic Con, uh-huh. and I hadn't met him before. He was a big surprise guest, and he came out on the panel. Again, I apologize. to Anyone who's heard this, uh, and uh, and the first thing he says, "I'm about to, you know, we're about to, about to kick the panel off." You know, seven thousand people are freaking out, and he goes, uh, "Hey, Chris," I'm like, he knows my name. Uh, he said, um, "You and I have something in common," and I'm like, "I'm pretty sure we don't." I could not. Figure <laughs> out what you know he's Tom Cruise, uh, yeah. and I'm me and uh, he goes um Stacy Jacks rock of ages rock and of I was ages. like how do you know that you know goes, that i do my research cuz i i played i was the you first you played it at the whiskey right or where was it the whiskey uh we did it at well, first, cool. it was a club called King King and then we did okay. it at, um a couple clubs in LA and then we and then we moved it to like a like a, a a production studio like a stage like a sound stage just oh, to right, accommodate right. more people and so I was in the first production of that, and but but he obviously he knew that, and uh, and I was like I you know I'm really at a loss for words, but then all of a sudden he just goes I want to know what love is, <laughs> and then he looked at me, yeah. and I go I want I you to show me? me, and then he goes I want to feel what love is, and He's I know, like, By way, and I'm fucking singing with Tom yeah. Cruise. So when you talk about like surreal yeah. experiences that you never you thing. would never be able like your fucking 15 year old brain would melt out of your head you got
3: it but you got to try it out with these people you got to try it out and especially no, but, he, but Once he you get around the he, top
1: he yeah. he tossed the pitch like i yeah. wasn't the i ju- i was yes ending him yeah so i like that was 10 times better than me know, like if cool. i had been like hey tom cruise i want to know what and him going what the fuck are you talking about but it was yeah th- those experiences when we really think back I'm like oh my god like some really amazing wonderful if you can find a way, way when you're
3: around super 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 famous people to make them laugh without being creepy it's a real win <clears> and also <throat> ben and i in our screenwriting book talk about this a lot like if you're around super famous people and you do not ask them for anything, it's a really lovely gift that you're giving them. Like we made it a rule like me and Ben, like when we meet with like movie stars to write the movies and stuff, we don't accept even water from them
1: at all. But if you were it's like, like an, yeah, can I have a thousand dollars. Just, you know, <laughs> look, you have it. <clears throat> Lo. We know you have it. Clearly there's a like, safe in this palace. You
3: make, yeah, I, I mean, there's house. gotta be so thousand yeah. dollars or a I don't or... want a bottled water, but i
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: But uh, no, we got. Can okay, you guys have gotten,
1: anything? Gold bullion, uh, bag of diamonds. I don't know. What do you got?
3: Pride you got? ourselves on because we had a producer come in one time, and did a little bit of a Jason Alexander from Seinfeld. We were meeting with Hutch Parker at Fox, and a producer who shall remain nameless uh, came in with us on a project, and the assistant said, "Can I get you guys anything?" And he pulled the producer pulled out of his pocket a little a little tea bag, and he was like, "Could I get some hot water for this, please?" <laughs> and it was like he brought his own teabag, then he took off his shoes and put his socks up on the president of Fox's <laughs> coffee table.
1: Now that feels a little. And extreme. I was just like,
3: what the. Ah, I know. There's an did art. Did that thing war, sell, but, by the way? Uh, it did. It was actually, I don't want to say what it was because you'll know immediately who the producer was. Well, then, but it did.
1: we've been going about this all wrong. Wrong. Go in and ask for everything. Put ask in, for everything put your feet up on someone's desk in your yep. socks well i would you know, like the uh, idea. going into someone's office right now just gives me like it's so like. weird I it's start so weird i
2: know
1: <laughs> you could be around people again but uh but you but it, you really you know in in terms of like when you look back at sort of career accomplishments it's Yes, there are goalposts where it's like, oh, you know, I achieved this or I did this or we did 600 episodes of At Midnight or you, you know, you were in this movie with Chris Granola or whatever, but it's it's really the experiential things that are the most impactful. Like <clears throat> those, those experiences that you, that you have that as a, as a fan and as a human being, you tuck away and be like, oh the fuck, how the fuck did that happen? You know, like those are the things that you make it I,
3: fun. Yeah. What I thought was really interesting is, um, so when I did <clears throat> Odd Couple, which was, uh, you know, critically mostly panned, but we did like three half seasons of it. And Gary Marshall <clears throat> was at every taping and always there. And I ended up becoming kind of close with Gary Marshall. And then when Gary passed away a couple years ago, I went to his memorial, which was this insane uh event. Um, Bette Midler sang Wind Beneath My Wings. Oh my gosh. Brian Adams sang a song. The the eulogies were uh Tom Hanks, Julia Roberts. Jeffrey Katzenberg, Michael Ovitz. I mean, it was just like the speeches were just insane. And you realized from the crowd hanging out afterwards, you're like, oh, I know what What Gary Marshall mostly did is he made tons of friends everywhere he went. (laughs) Like, that's what he did. The main thing that he did was he made a ton of friends everywhere he went. And I was like, if there's something I would look at to try to sort of emulate, it would be... The, the real takeaway from this kind of lifestyle of like project to project to keep trying stuff <clears throat> is the people you take away with it.
1: And also so. like just work on stuff that you is fun, you know, like yeah. if you, if you have the option, right. sometimes, you know, sometimes right. that's not, sometimes you work on stuff and you need to work and you, you know, right. but, but, I mean, but even in those cases, how can you make it fun? If you, if yeah. you kind of radiate that, then like, what what else could you possibly want or do? You know what I mean?
3: Yeah. So like I did the puppet master movie, what year and a half ago, it's basically like an NC 17 movie with me and Udo Kier <laughs> and murderous puppets. It's one of the darkest, creepiest things I've ever seen. And I can't even say that I can really watch the movie. It's so disturbing, but Jenny Pelliker, who's in the movie with me, uh, we've, you know, maintained a great friendship and her husband and I are pals and, it's, these are the best things. And like that's another weird one. Like, Judy Greer and I were in uh, this really, really um, strange movie called Pottersville mm-hmm. with Michael Shannon. I guess I should give a plug. This is the only movie, and this is weird, of my entire career that has an actual zero on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> and to have a zero, that means you have to have enough actual reviews to get registered. Got it but they all have to be zero.
1: (laughs) So So that's kind of a win, right? You know? No, no, it's it's an interesting
3: piece of trivia. So the movie is, it's called Pottersville. It's Michael Shannon, Judy Greer, Ron Perlman, Ian McShane. Oh my God, what an amazing cast. And me. And it's a movie about Michael Shannon pretending to be a Sasquatch. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it's one of those ones that when you're making, you're like, this is really fun. This is going to be great. And then later on you realize like, oh no, this just turned into a zero on Rotten Tomatoes. But you
1: never but, know. You know what I mean? Like, you, yeah. you know, there's another universe where that got a hundred. Like, you just don't yeah. know. Like, you know. don't. But now, I'm, now I live in a world where I can, I can text
3: Hellboy whenever I want. And just, oh, like, yeah, say, yeah. Hey, what's up? yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it, the thing is, you, you just never know how things are gonna yeah. land. You know, you don't know how a movie is gonna land. So many things have, This is why, you know, like we watch a lot of, we watch pretty much any kind of horror thing we can get our hands on. And I feel like, you know, we can be a little judgy. Oh, you know, there weren't enough, you know, there weren't enough this or there was too much of that or that this this part didn't make any sense. But in general, I always kind of land on, but it's really hard to make a movie and they fucking made it. You know what I mean? It's like, almost, it's
3: basically impossible.
1: It is near. it is, yeah. it, is it is astonishing. Like the baby <clears> turtle <tunnel throat> thing that anything ever gets made. And then it's if tough. anything gets made and is good, like that's like, oh wow, that's an even, yeah. Incredible. And
3: then it makes you look at things like, then you realize like, look at like a uh, hotel Budapest or something. That's like how, like then you get movies that are just great. And you're like, well, that's now it's really almost impossible. This is just like making a sand painting in the wind somewhere <laughs> because like, yeah, I don't know. How, yeah. <laughs> anyway, There's so many things, uh,
1: not only are there so many forces working against you, but you also have to somehow have everyone kind of work in concert Every
3: accidental best thing that ever has to happen has to happen all at once. And somebody said all the things that, to me, all the things that happen when you're writing and prepping a movie, those are all true. Uh, but you should also remember that you're once you're shooting a movie, you're doing all the same logistical things while there's a pile of money that's on fire right next to you. Yeah. <laughs> Did you want to play? Let's play. Did you want to play a song? You I want to you to it, right? teach
1: me something on guitar. Let's do it. And if I would you like to learn, if I'm too terrible. Then I'll cut this part out. But <laughs> I, I, I just, you know, I, 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 have, a, I have. I love a, that you've been I, taking
3: lessons. So I, 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 started taking lessons also at about last year at about fifty. A yeah, but you Mar- were
1: already in a band.
3: But you know what? A cool thing is if you look at like Neil Pert from Rush. Yeah, like Neil Pert at like 30 or 35, when Rush was fully established and a huge uh, band, yeah. he like took a full year and went and just studied and relearned how to play the drums in a totally different way, which is yeah, like,
1: that's kind seems of impossible,
3: but he did. Um, what should we do? Let's see, how about you want to learn a little Smiths type thing? You could do that or just teach
1: me any kind of little tricky thing.
2: Whether you hydrate to live Grab your Liquid IV hydration multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco. Or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code WONDERY at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code WONDERY at liquidiv.com. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you. With Noom's psychology and biology-based approach, sign up for your trial today at noom.com. That's n o o m.com. Grab your copy of the Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold.
1: Anything, any anything you want. Any you can, See. it could be a song or a tip or like, uh, I don't know. We got our guitars. What do you got there?
3: This is a uh, this is a, uh, a guild that I have that was actually signed by Lindsay Buckingham. God because, damn it! Yeah. We did a bit at the uh, for the MTV Upfronts and we came out and we played Go Your Own Way. It was us and we were on right before Fleetwood Mac, no joke.
1: Jesus Christ.
3: I know. It was so it was One and, and we came out and we did like Loving your Shoes isn't the right kind of poops. We just none of us knew the words.
1: God damn it.
3: Chicken fries. Chicken it's fries. All right. Right. Uh,
1: like yeah. We talk about like like uh podcast guests that I think would be amazing. He would be amazing, um, but I
3: I always love that he's the guy on uh, What's Up With That that they never get to. Um, you want to do a... Let's do... Let me, see, let me see. Let me hear what you... What's the hardest thing you think you can play? God, I have no idea. I mean, I don't really what's know. A, I mean, what everybody knows, most guitar players, when they pick up a guitar, especially if there's cool folks around, they just play like... I always do like...
1: You mean you when you're in guitar
3: center mode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You always yeah, think yeah, that, what's yeah, your yeah. guitar center? Everybody has a guitar center lick. Yeah. That's supposed to show like my other one is It's like Joe Satriani, you know, like
1: I don't have anything like
3: that. Like Hey. Can you play any <laughs> chords yet? Can you play uh Can you play
1: <laughs> That's the fucking riff. <laughs> what what guitar me? center!
3: Wait, wait. Here's the worst guitar center one ever. Ready? Wait, sorry. This is actually really hard to play. But... <laughs>
1: That's fantastic.
3: Um, the wait, old switch online. Oh wait, wait, wait. Did you? Oh, how about a, here's a good one? What's here's a good one to sit down to. Um. Okay, come. Uh, give, give me your finger. Uh, first finger on on the uh, ninth fret. All right, and then your index finger also on the uh, second string on the ninth fret, right there. And then you're going to take your ring finger and hammer on the E, the top string there. I'm giving you an age-appropriate lick, which is the opening of "Today" by the Smashing Pumpkins. And then just do the same thing with your pinky. So you hammer exactly with your ring finger, and then add your pinky up uh, one, two, three, four frets up. So
1: wow! You know, my problem is I have
3: small hands, so it's difficult. Same here, same here so dude. Branches. Same here. I got tiny little. I got tiny little hands. But you know who else does? Johnny Marr.
1: You know, uh, my other problem is that I can't. I I'm not. I, I can play guitar in front of people a little bit because I started doing it on stage, which is a crash course. And like, oh gotta, yeah, it gets really intense. Yeah, I can't. Like, I'll practice piano all week long. I'll do a FaceTime lesson with my piano teacher, and my it's like I've never used my hands before when I start playing in front of it someone. Just, the level yeah. of perfection fear is so intense that it's hard for me to play in front of people without getting
3: super. I, every time, it's exactly what happens when you start re- the difference between like practicing something and then you're like, I'm going to record this on my phone and you will fuck it up 20 times a in a row when you yeah. start to. Yeah. Uh, let's see, how about. um,
1: Hey, man, you want to look at some amps? You hear uh, you, you all good on picks? What do you need? Oh, no, I don't work here, by the way. I'm just here testing this out. Yeah. <laughs> I've been working on. Uh... This is so annoying to anyone who knows how to play guitar. You know, but nice. Oh, you're working on your scales. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm working on the, you know, the blue. the what you in there? Where are you right there? You're in. I can't see your whole neck. So nice. You're doing great. Scales is everything. Scales. You just do scales over and over. Just
1: can't do is I can't envision the notes all the way down the neck like I can't that's a big from one down to like You're oh and did. then I think it goes you know did. like I yeah. like when I watch people shred up and down the neck I'm like this well, is some form of dark magic like how are they doing that? um Everybody
3: who's watching this should go look at uh, the clip called Stevia Ray Vaughan breaks
1: a string. Oh, I've seen that before. They fucking yeah, in the middle of a yeah, yeah.
3: Talk about giving zero fucks.
1: That's that's also the confidence of having done something a million times.
3: He never stops playing a solo. He just literally the song never stops for one. It's one of the great clips of all time. Google right to now tonight, kids. Stevie Ray Vaughan breaks the string.
1: It's stunning, and he fucking finishes like it he does the whole thing. Never he never even misses two seconds. Yeah, I'm in no danger of ever being able to achieve that. But, you know, I practice a little bit every day.
3: See, I just fucked up. I know that song so well, but because you were looking at me. I was looking at you. I I, As soon as you looked, I just immediately blew it.
1: Hey, what you doing over there, Tom? What, you playing guitar there? Um, Hey, look at that.
3: Uh, but no, it's good. This, by the way, when you can't write, when you can't think of a joke, go do. This. It's also just I think it's super important to wake up different parts of your brain.
1: It's funny. I was I was actually I talked to I was I was tra- I'd been trading calls with Janet a couple like a month ago, and she called and answered the phone, and I was I was kind of doing this. And without nice. kind of absentmindedly, because I'll just do this while I'm doing other things, to just so I don't think about my hands. And she goes, oh, what you doing there, noodling? And I just get so <laughs> self-aware, like, oh, God, I am, I'm noodling, I'm so sorry, I'm so ashamed, you know. But I don't know what else to do. I actually,
3: I, I used to, when the world was open, I used to carry a Martin Travel backpack guitar everywhere I went.
1: Oh, yeah. One of those cool, thin, skinny ones. They're
3: great. They're so skinny and thin. But one cool thing about them is, especially because, like, I used to smoke cigarettes. Yep. There's a lot of times in your day, Rudy, it's like, what should I do with my hands that's not flaming hot Cheetos or cigarettes or any other dumb shit? What's something I could do
1: that'll keep every part of my body busy? I love you, Tom Lennon. Uh, 911s on Quibi. Which is, not, which is not, which is not
3: the kind of fart you make in a swimsuit. It's an. You got it. And it's, it's also not Qbert. It's also already on your phone, and it's basically free. So please stop hassling me about who's it. Who's making the Qbert joke? Are you? T- have you been talking to Max uh, Like Okay. It, it only. It's it, is- Chris. It only happened twice. It happened okay. twice, but it was like enough that it really stung. <laughs> All
1: right. <laughs> you people, you have more Reno nine one one now. It is on Quibi and. They're digestive. They're fucking like six, seven minute episodes.
3: Oh my god, they're the best. I actually think they're the ideal length for me. With a a, dude with like major ADHD, it's perfect. They're like they're like six, seven.
1: Well, I'm glad you're You're writing. You'll miss nothing. I'm glad you're more. Is there anything else you want to promote? Um, Do you you know like
3: No, go to the the Reno's on Quibi. Oh, you know what? No, no, get the um get the Ronan Boyle books. If you have kids and you like reading or don't like reading, then get the audiobooks of Ronan Boyle. I'm super proud of them. No, well, that's I love those you. I love, I, you, love back, you. Chris. I
1: love you to pieces. I hope to Have be a able great to one. Give a hug in person soon. Thank you for doing the podcast again. You're the best. And uh, love you. I miss your face in person. I miss
3: you too. Stay okay. safe. Bye. Bye.
2: ID 10T skinning complete. Enjoy your burrito.